I'm Paige Waterhouse. And I'm Nabil Raza. From the Cavalier Daily, this is On Record. Live music has always been a part of Charlottesville. As locals and students, we are surrounded by venues that prioritize live and local music. I personally have enjoyed music at the Ix Art Park. Now, amidst the pandemic, local bars and venues have had to drastically adapt, enforcing strict gathering regulations, promoting virtual events, and some having to close completely. In this episode, we will try to understand how local music in Charlottesville is adapting to these changes and if this music hub will be able to promote creativity and support local musicians under these conditions. Music has defined the culture and lives of people living in Charlottesville, and the town has been the foundation for many successful bands, one being the Dave Matthews Band. Charlottesville is a host to many local venues, some being the Jefferson, Ix Art Park, the Front Porch, the Southern, and the Garage. Typically, students and Charlottesville residents flock on the weekends and weekdays to discover and celebrate local musicians. From large venues like John Paul Jones Arena to smaller ones like the Southern and the Front Porch, these locations host well-known and up-and-coming artists that contribute to Charlottesville's music-centric culture. Students and locals can go see more famous artists like Matt and Kim and the Lumineers or Charlottesville-based bands like Kendall Street Company. Live music in Charlottesville has always been a part of the community atmosphere. So naturally, when the COVID-19 pandemic hit, we were interested to know how these places were adapting and adjusting to continue to promote live music. We recently spoke to Brian Weimer, a co-founder of Ix Art Park in Charlottesville, to get a perspective from a local business. Ix Art Park is a nonprofit organization that strives to meet the Charlottesville community's need for public art and culture with an emphasis on inclusion of all genders, races, ethnicities, and ages. The park, which has both an outdoor space and an indoor space, was originally a textile factory before local filmmaker Brian Weimer and local developer Ludwig Kuttner revitalized the space in the name of community and creativity. Since then, the park has become a hub for sculptures, murals, and interactive arts installations, as well as community farmers markets, concerts, dance lessons, and yoga classes. As a fundamentally social space with an emphasis on community gathering, Ix Art Park is one of the many arts attractions that has suffered because of the pandemic. In an interview with us, Brian Weimer shared his understanding of the impact of coronavirus on Ix, as well as the organization's fears and needs going into the wintertime. Honestly, I thought COVID might kill the Ix Art Park. Ix, to me, as an organization, relies on the notion of possibility. That's our motto, dream big. So, well, uh, we're not going to shut down. What are we going to do? So we got creative. And, uh, I mean, we painted social distancing circles. Um, we have a mandatory mask policy. We have disinfectant and hand washing. We are really trying to provide a place where people can feel that same richness in their lives um, within a, a responsibility and acknowledgement of the pandemic that we're in. And so it's just trying to say, well, how do we make this almost seamless programming happen? And a lot of it is within cooperation from uh, the community and, and to see what their interests are. So oftentimes we are the conduit for, give us an idea, what do you wanna see happen? And to me, that's really where Ix started. And it's where Ix is right now is that, it's not necessarily a projection of what we're going to do. It's where we are today. And to me, it's living in that moment and finding the opportunity in that moment. Now, one thing you can't do in that moment sometimes is 
just to raise revenues. And so we are focusing a lot on what a lot of other nonprofits have traditionally done, whereas we have often gone after either revenues from ticket sales, um, but now really uh, donations are a huge part, and that's what we're looking for a lot in the fall. Um, and, and if you have an opportunity, please, you know, uh, give generously. Donations and grants really are what is going to carry us through the winter and into the spring uh, when hopefully um, we will be in a different place in this pandemic and be able to open up to bigger crowds. Ix is not the only venue having to make drastic changes and rely on the surrounding community in order to continue operating. The Front Porch is a nonprofit community music school that hosts classes, workshops, weekly jams, and performances. Before the pandemic, more than 200 people would come to take classes every week. Now they host virtual concerts that can be streamed through their Facebook and YouTube pages and sponsored by local organizations like the Jazz Society. Like everyone else, they are trying to make the online concert experience worthwhile for both the audience and the performer by creating opportunities to interact with the artist as well as hosting larger groups of people. The impact of the pandemic on music in Charlottesville is widespread. It is hard to know how long the setbacks of COVID-19 will have an impact on the local music scene. But after hearing Weimer speak about Ix efforts, we see optimism and community determined to adapt and make music continue as an integral part of the community's lifestyle. These local venues and artists need your support, so make sure to check out their music and to visit their COVID-safe events. To talk to us more about the impacts of COVID on the local music scene, I spoke to Sally Rose, who is the lead singer of the Sally Rose Band. So my name is Sally Rose Monis, and I go by Sally Rose, both with the Sally Rose Band and Shag Wolf. So you're the head of the Sally Rose Band, and you have another role in Shag Wolf, right? Could you talk about that? Sure. Shag Wolf started as a three-piece power trio. We play kind of psychedelic rock, uh, swamp metal music. And I sing and play bass in that band. The other front person, Pete, and I write all the songs together. During a typical summer, what would you be doing? Normally, we tour every summer and then... Usually I'm working a full-time job and then take off for at least a month at a time to tour with Shag Wolf. And this past year we were supposed to, well, this year actually, March 13th was our album release for our new record, <laughs> which obviously we canceled. We would still be on tour right now doing like a full album release run up and down the East Coast, which we're obviously not doing. But as you can imagine, that was like two years of writing and you know saving up funds and stuff but we have since gone back into the studio and recorded a full ep with four pretty heavy political songs that we're going to be releasing this fall obviously this summer looked a lot different um were you able to perform at all and if so what did those performances look like and what has that meant for your music career basically so you know I definitely am on the extremely cautious side. I live on the same plot of land in a little cabin in the woods with my 74-year-old father and his wife. And then um, just down the road, my sister and her husband and little baby live right down the road. So aside from going to work every day, I have not been doing any performing at all. 
I've done several live streams. We've done some charity live streams for some Black Lives Matter events. And I've done a few solo live streams, like with the Freyland Museum. But yeah, it's mostly just been a lot of refocusing and writing at home. There have been some really positive changes that this whole strange and heavy time has brought. So being part of kind of the local music scene, have you heard from others about what this has kind of done to the community? Um, you know, whether that be venues or, or other bands? Yeah, it's really interesting. I think for the most part, a lot of the artists that I'm really good friends with in a local music scene are all of the same we're all kind of treating it the same way and we're doing live streams and trying to do as many fundraisers as possible and then the time to write and restructure and focus on, you know, making the best out of it that we can. It is interesting though. There's unfortunately just like the political climate right now, there have been some tensions just because there's a lot of musicians who want to play shows right now. Obviously we all do and we miss you know, playing shows and touring and um, having a live audience. But there's a lot of bands that have been doing live performances, you know, throughout this whole past six months. And there's definitely some tension there. I think, you know, a lot of artists are just kind of wondering, like, why in the world are you taking up space, you know, playing for live audiences right now when you're not doing it in a very safe way? When you look at the long term of kind of the local music scene, do you see any major changes or do you think it'll just bounce back to normal? Or do you have a more pessimistic view of it? Do you think there's been irreparable harm that has come from the pandemic's forced break in sort of our, our daily lives on the um, you know local Charlottesville music community? Short term, I'm just kind of hoping that everyone can buckle down and get on the same page and just stay at home and, you know, try to keep in mind the big picture that there will be no returning to normalcy if we don't just buckle down and stay home and stay safe and keep our loved ones safe right now. So short term, you know, it's, I think there's like a day-to-day -day tension and anxiety around the fact that I'm seeing other local artists playing shows out live right now, which is just kind of hard to wrap my head around. Um, you know, everybody's taking taking this differently, but everyone is experiencing, you know, sacrifices. And so that's kind of where I'm at short term, but long term, I'm actually really, really hopeful and optimistic that this is going to really, really remind people that music and art are so valuable and that you know, next time, next time the world heals up and we're all able to go out safely and have live shows that people won't gripe about spending $15 for a ticket. And I'm really, really, you know, excited that down the road when we're able to have live shows again in a safe way where everyone feels comfortable and, you know, we've taken care of the virus that music and art will be so much more appreciated. So you've recently pivoted to a new industry. Was this in response to the pandemic and the circumstances, or was this just something you've always wanted to do? And could you talk a little bit about it? Yeah, so both of those are accurate. Um, 
service industry is a very common pairing with touring musicians just because it's something that you can do while, you know, supporting your music career. And I'd been doing it for about 15 years and 13 years with the last company. And although I love that company, we didn't have any break from the pandemic. We didn't shut down at all. We didn't close. And so it was just, you know, it was really, really taxing to just get smacked into that transition, you know, in a pretty severe way. But it was, again, one of those things that kind of, you know, gave me a chance to reprioritize and restructure and reevaluate and say, you know, I'm not touring right now. I'm not doing workshops for the nonprofit. You know, I can't do any of the things that bring me joy and happiness and give me purpose in life right now. All I'm doing is working full time in the service industry during a pandemic, which has felt a little bit like it was killing my spirit. So given that that job wasn't, you know, able to coexist with the things that I love doing in life, like playing shows and teaching self-defense to female non-binary folks um, or touring, it just kind of gave me this like huge, you know, epiphany that I was like, you know what, I'm about to be 30 years old. Um, It's time for me to make that major shift that I've been putting on the back burner for a long time. And being able to have all this extra time on the weekends to actually study, um, to get my certification as a personal trainer really aligns with my goals with the nonprofit as far as um, empowering people and, you know, helping them with an individualized program. Um, So it was kind of something that I've always thought about doing, but never had the time for between managing two bands and running the nonprofit and working full time and then touring every year. It just kind of, you know, got pushed on the back burner for years. And so I definitely think of it as, you know, like a blessing in the rubble of everything that's been going on. That's awesome. Do you mind um, just saying a, a short piece about the nonprofit, sort of just the name and mission, stuff like that? Yeah. Um, so the name of our nonprofit is Fight Like a Girl Club, G-R-R-R-L, as an homage to the Riot Girl movement. A lot of what we do is hands-on in-person workshops, and we try to be as accessible as possible to female identifying people, non-binary folks, and people of color, especially in the way that all of our workshops are free. We're a donations-based organization. Unfortunately, self-defense clubs tend to be something that are only accessible for middle-class or upper-middle-class white women. Um, So we're just really trying to break that up and just make it more accessible for people in need and communities in need. Has like a shift to other industries and other passions been something that you've seen among your local musician friends or is it just something that happened to be the right time for you? I think it just happened to be the right time for me. I've seen a lot of other musicians who started their careers, you know, like like I did as a singer-songwriter and then in the last, you know, decade to 15 years have really busted ass to build a brand and a band are having to kind of resort back to, you know, touching in with their roots and their singer songwriter material. 
so that's been really cool is seeing all these people who are in bands or people who play in bands who you didn't even know had, you know, like the skills to be singer songwriters coming out of the woodworks with this solo material. And that's been really, really cool. You know, and I think everyone's really excited to support each other and we're all hungry for that. That's been really special to watch unfold. So as a um, musician in Charlottesville and, you know, being part of the community, how do you see UVA and UVA's um, students sort of part in that sort of culture? And also, how can we support you during this time? I cannot stress enough how tuning into artists' live streams and, you know, using the virtual tip jars, but for college students who also tend to not be, you know, working right now and not have a lot of cash, just listening to artists on Spotify, listening to their band camp, reposting their albums on Instagram, all of those things do add up. And I mean, it's like 0.00025 cents per stream, but it really does help break up the algorithms and help out local musicians kind of try to get through in this time since we're not, you know, selling merchandise at shows and booking tours and stuff. That's really kind of what we're all relying on in this time. The impact of the pandemic on music in Charlottesville is widespread. It is hard to know how long the setbacks of COVID-19 will have an impact on the local music scene. But after hearing Weimer and Rose speak about their efforts, we see optimism and a community determined to adapt and make music continue as an integral part of the community's life. On Record is written by Neela Connaughton, Will Bird, Peyton Guthrie, Sophia Moore, Genevieve Charles, Maggie Lynn, Karen Sun, Ariana Aronson, and Kristen Davidson-Schwartz. The show is produced by Grace Fluharty, David Hunt, Ann Williams, and Carmen Mew. Our editor is Nabil Raza. Thanks for listening. This has been On Record. Thank you.